Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I'm your host, Michael Benner, and this is number five in our mini-series of quarantine meditations. In this episode, we're going to talk about being more aware of and learning to manage emotional feelings. Now, let me say right at the top that we're talking about so-called negative feelings. I usually refer to them as hurtful feelings. I don't like the word negative because actually hurtful feelings have a great deal of value. Like physical pain, we may not want to feel our emotional heartache and frustration and irritation, but without it, we'd be a lot worse off. So just like physical pain is a symptom or an indicator of an illness or an injury, we need to be aware of our emotional hurt. Now, what do we do about it? Well, most of us push away from it and miss the message or Maybe it's just never occurred to you that there is meaning and significance in those feelings that hurt. But generally speaking, the hurtful so-called negative emotional feeling is really a request from the brain to make an adjustment, a course correction. The reason our positive feelings, our happiness and joy, our contentment and satisfaction, peace of mind and equanimity don't really need any management is that those feelings are feedback that we should just continue to do whatever we're doing, you know, stay the course, so to speak. So the most important concept to address here at the beginning of this episode is the whole idea that hurtful feelings need to be experienced They need to be addressed directly and felt fully. We must, in a sense, face and embrace everything that hurts us emotionally. In psychology, there's a saying, the only way out is through. Not away from. If you try to avoid heartache or emotional suffering, it will follow you. It will haunt you and your torment and suffering will increase. So we need to turn and confront, to face and embrace everything that hurts us emotionally and discover its meaning. As we get that insight and understanding, it just fades away. That's the whole secret of emotional intelligence and fostering and maintaining good emotional health is to understand the feeling, to not run from it, to turn and move into it. Whatever it happens to be, whether it's just nonspecific anxiety, a little bit of nervousness and frustration or irritation, or whether it's something really big, a broken heart, grief, loss, even if it's a blend of confusing feelings and we really can't name a particular feeling. And if somebody says, well, how do you feel? And you have a problem explaining it or putting a single name on it, that blend of feelings needs to be addressed and understood. Now, how do we do that? 
especially if that feeling is leading to increased anxiety and stress. And as you might imagine, since this is a mini-series on quarantine meditations, that deep relaxation is going to be the secret. Deep relaxation expands awareness. Just as fear, stress, anxiety diminish our awareness, and by being less aware, less intelligent, uh, we make more mistakes. It's more difficult to understand why we feel the way we feel, or for that matter, our thought process and our behavior as well. Why do I think the way I think? Why do I do the silly things I do? And besides the mistakes I may be making in a high-stress state, how about all these opportunities I'm missing out on because stress and anxiety has degraded or diminished my self-awareness? So, makes perfect sense that on the other hand, deep relaxation would expand awareness. You really need to tell the amygdala in the limbic or lizard brain that you're safe. And then it changes its priority from survival to intelligence, insight, and understanding. So we'll do an exercise today that'll walk you through ways to use relaxation to expand your self-awareness and find the meaning and significance of that heartache so that it can fall away. But before we do that, I want to talk about oh, four basic ways, I guess, that emotional feelings are different from thoughts. Few people ever consider the difference. In fact, many people, if you ask them how they feel, may actually say, well, I think I feel. And if you reflect on that for a moment, that's not emotional intelligence, that's relying on your logic to interpret feelings. Those are two entirely different languages. Logic, or the mental nature that does the thinking, the cognition, is a very different approach to being aware than emotional intelligence, which is actually feeling emotions in your body. That's why they're called feelings. And have such a close relationship to physical sense and sensation. If you go to a medical doctor and he or she says to you, how do you feel? You'll explain your physical feelings. And on the other hand, if you go to a therapist or a counselor and they say, how do you feel? You're going to talk about your emotions. So we know there's a difference, but in our daily life and affairs, it's rare to consider that there is a non-logical, I don't mean illogical, but a non-logical approach to understanding your emotional feelings. So some of the ways that thoughts and feelings are different from each other, the mental and emotional nature, is that thoughts are like the steering wheel of a car. They determine our direction. Whereas emotional feelings are more like the pedals. Fear, of course, would be the brake. And your positive feelings, your enthusiasm, your passions, your excitement and sense of adventure, your optimism, that would be the accelerator that moves you forward. So in this sense, logic is an energy and the emotional nature is the force behind the energy. 
If you're into electronics and electricity, you may know Ohm's law, very similar situation where amperage is the energy, like the volume, how much electricity, and voltage is the push or the drive behind the energy. Or you could think of a water analogy where the energy would be the size of the pipe that the water is moving through, and the emotion would be the pressure behind the water when you open the spigot, all right? That's the basic difference between thoughts and feelings. Thoughts are an energy that determine our direction. Thoughts are goal-oriented. They're objective, ideally specific and detailed, and identify our objective. Whereas emotions are the motivation. Energy in motion is emotion. That's the drive, the push. If you think about it, you could have a great idea that doesn't go anywhere if you don't care about it. Could be the best invention or innovation ever, wonderful insight, and yet if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't have the faith, if you don't have the passion, there's no drive, there's no force, there's no push. You're not motivated and the great idea just sits there. On the other hand, if we step on the accelerator before we grab the steering wheel, if we, in other words, if we're all emotionally worked up and excited, but we're not tempering or balancing that passion with a clear, specific goal, a strategy, then the car will move, but Lord knows where it's going to end up. You could crash into a tree or go in any direction. So the two work together, thought and feeling, like the steering wheel and the accelerator, but the order is important. You can go back and forth between I think and I feel, between considering the goal and considering your motive for it, but when it's time to take action, it's the thought first, get the steering wheel pointed in the right direction, followed by the enthusiasm, the belief and faith, Take your foot off the brake and put it on the accelerator. Begin to move in that direction. And the car moves forward toward your goal, your desired outcome or result. Another way that thoughts and feelings are different from each other, thoughts are a lot like a line drawing that prescribes the form of things, whereas emotions flesh it out. Emotions are the light, the color, that is, the texture, the temperature, the flavor and fragrance of things. And while this is just an allegory or a teaching example, we could see a practical application of this if you consider sports announcing, where we often have two people, a play-by-play -play announcer and a so-called color person, to feed off each other. So let's say it's a baseball game, and the play-by-play -play announcer is saying that uh, Joe Blow is coming up to bat, and uh, it's the wind-up and the pitch. Oh, it's a strike. He swung and missed that. And the color announcer is saying, yeah, well, Joe Blow has been in the majors for only three years now. He comes from Atlanta, Georgia, and his father was a major league ball player. And then the play-by-play -play announcer picks it up with, here comes the wind-up in the second pitch. Oh, it's wide. That's a ball. One and one's the count. And then the color guy flushes that out with another little story. So that's another way of thinking about the interplay between thoughts and feelings. 
thoughts are more objective and feelings are more subjective. That's where we find the richness and the color of life. A third distinction between thoughts and feelings was that thoughts come pretty rapid, machine gun, rat-a-tat-tat, one right after another, and can't really be suppressed. Just one right after another, whereas the way we feel about those thoughts or about life in general is much more of an ebb and a flow. You could have a very strong feeling or your emotional charge could be really low. In fact, there is such a thing as flat affect, which is sort of like apathy. You just don't care about it that much at all. And then a fourth way that thoughts and feelings are distinct is that although both are impermanent, the emotion tends to last, in most cases, longer than a thought because of the rapid-fire nature of thinking. They don't last nearly as long. A thought is replaced almost immediately by another thought, often that contradicts the first thought. Your thoughts will comment on each other in really strange ways, uh, like arguments in your head. Yes, you can. No, you can. Well, I think this is... No, I'm not so sure. It might be this. Feelings also are impermanent, but they last a little bit longer. You could be sad and depressed for two or three days before it lifts, and you wake up one day feeling just fine, you know. You have all your enthusiasm and your optimism back for no particular reason at all. Another way they're different, I guess I'm up to five now. (laughs) There's even more than this. I have a list for my students of 10 or 12. A fifth way that thoughts and feelings are different is that thoughts can be wrong, whereas feelings are never wrong. Now, you have to reflect on this for a minute to get it. We know thoughts can be wrong because we've all taken tests where we thought we had the right answer, only to find out later that what we thought was wrong. And of course, it's not uncommon for us to change our mind, so to speak, about things. Well, I used to think this way, But as I got older and more mature, I changed my mind, and I now think this way instead. Emotional feelings, however, are never wrong. I have to hasten to add, what we think about the feeling can be wrong. So it's easy to misinterpret the meaning of a feeling if you use logic in an attempt to discern it rather than your intuition. The exercise we're going to do in a few minutes is very intuitive in nature. It's about deep relaxation and the employment of intuition to discover the meaning of the hurtful feeling. Emotion doesn't tell you very much about other people. You could empathize, but only to the degree that you understand yourself. Thoughts are for understanding the world, Emotional feelings are for understanding yourself. Is that number six? (laughs) I'm starting to lose track. But there's a handful of ways for you to reflect on about how thoughts are different from feelings. All right, let's do this exercise. So find a comfortable place to sit. It doesn't need to be a formal cross-legged meditation on a pillow. You can do this in a chair, sitting on the sofa. You can even do it lying down if you'd like. Although it's more likely you'll fall asleep if you lay down. But a lot of people prefer to do their meditation while reclined. In any event, 
get nice and comfortable and I'll describe this as if you're sitting in a chair with your feet flat on the floor and sit up straight erect but not rigid shoulders back head up lift your chin just a little bit and feel the chair supporting you or the sofa and become aware of the floor beneath your feet how it might feel to be grounded or plugged in to know this is your spot that you belong here that this is where you grow feel that connection to the earth and at the top of your head imagine being connected to the sky as if the top of your skull is open and receptive to a downward precipitation of a life force and energy that flows into you, that illumines and animates you. And so like a battery, you're connected to the ground and the sky, to matter and energy, to the mother and the father. And you're in the middle. You're the son or daughter. You're the offspring of spirit and matter. You are consciousness. You are awareness. And like a battery, you're being filled and fulfilled and recharged and restored and renewed. Revitalized is a good word for it. And just feel yourself drinking that energy into your being. From the center, around the heart, filling in all the empty spots in your rib cage, and all the other places inside you. So that you slowly feel fulfilled, motivated, and energized. Take two or three nice, slow, deep breaths, pulling in strength and power as you inhale. And as you exhale, create and sense a letting go feeling. Take your time. Do this slowly at your own pace. Pulling in strength and power. And then feel the letting go as you exhale. Muscles relaxing and unwinding. Close your eyes, if you haven't already, and feel your face relaxing. Your forehead, your cheeks, relax your jaw. And feel the space around your ears sag or droop as you relax your scalp. Feel the letting go.
Let that feeling flow down through your body. Down through the center of your being all the way to the soles of your feet. A wonderful feeling of relaxation. Letting go to feel safe and relaxed. Allow your intuition to bring to mind a hurtful feeling that you've experienced in the last two or three days. Maybe something you felt today. Something that's recent. A feeling or set of feelings that's current. That feels sad or lonely. That feels irritating or frustrating. That disturbs you in some way. And trust your first impression. Whatever occurs to you. And if that feeling has a name, or if it's a set of feelings that you can name, consider those names. If you were asked to describe how you feel, what might you say? But even if you're not sure how to describe this discomfort, I want you to move your awareness down into your body. Somewhere between your shoulders and your hips. As you ask yourself, where in my torso do I feel this feeling or combination of feelings? Where do I feel it? And then consider whether there are other areas beyond your shoulders, below your hips, where you feel these emotions. Is there tension in your head or a lump in your throat? Do your neck and shoulders feel tight? Is there some discomfort in your back, the upper back, mid-back, or lower back? You feel tension in your legs, girded loins, or weak knees. And as you locate the areas where this feeling or blend of feelings presents itself, ask yourself, what is its shape? And if this feeling or combination of feelings had a color, 
what color would this shape be in this area of my body? And again, wait for it to come to you. Don't chase it down. Don't reach out. You need not use logic or deduction. Just allow the answers to come to you. Where in the body? What is its shape? And what colors? A single color or combination of colors comes to mind. without needing to move at all physically. Just imagine yourself slowly and carefully reaching out to touch this feeling for texture or temperature. How does this colorful shape feel to the touch? If your emotional feeling had a physical feeling, how would it feel? Ask yourself, when is the last time I felt this way or felt similarly? What does this feeling remind me of? In continuing to favor intuition over logical reasoning or analysis, ask yourself, What can I learn from the way I feel? Addressing the feeling directly. What can you teach me about myself? What is it that I can learn from you? From this feeling. And to reinforce your understanding of whatever has occurred to you intuitively about the meaning of this feeling. Ask again, what's the one single lesson 
that I can retain from this exercise. Tell me, show me, reveal yourself to me. And as we approach the conclusion of the exercise, ask this feeling. Is there anything else I need to know? Something more I can learn before moving on? Allow this discomfort, this hurtful feeling, this sadness, loneliness, grief, or loss to be replaced by gratitude and your appreciation of the value of facing and embracing what you were tempted to avoid. And feel the discomfort the heartache and the hurt fade away. Tell yourself the lesson or lessons that you just learned will be easy to remember and prepare to come back to the wide awake state, feeling the chair or sofa supporting you, aware of the floor beneath your feet, remembering now the room in which you sit as you take a nice, slow, deep breath, filling your lungs, hold for a moment as you peek, and as you exhale, open your eyes wide awake, alert, rested and refreshed, back in the room, feeling fine, feeling better than before, with the insight and understanding and a sense of gratitude having replaced, to a large degree, whatever was hurting. Now, it's likely you'll still be a little tender for a while. <laughs> there may be remnants that continue on. And this exercise bears repetition. There's no reason you can't do it again. And integrate it into the four previous meditations in our mini-series, Quarantine Meditations.
Now, if you're listening to this as an audio podcast, I want you to know there is an edited version of just this exercise on my YouTube channel, The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. And if, on the other hand, you're listening to this exercise on YouTube, you'll be able to hear the full audio podcast with a little mini lesson before the exercise by subscribing to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School wherever you normally get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts or Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, any podcast directory. There's so many of them. Podbean, Podbay. Uh, Player FM is one that I like. And we're currently at about 420-some episodes. So there's plenty to choose from over the years. And so by subscribing to the podcast stream, you'll get access to all of those. Absolutely free of charge. Now, if you'd like to talk to me personally about private counseling or training, I'm offering during this pandemic a free introductory private telephone session. And again, free, no obligation to continue the work, although you may if you want. Let's just do like a private 30-minute session on the phone, on Skype or FaceTime or WhatsApp, whatever platform you wish. And you can schedule it yourself. Just go to my primary website, michaelbenner.com, be like boy, E. N-N-E-R, michaelbenner.com. And on the landing page, you see a big red circle with fireworks going off. You can't can't miss it right in the middle of the page. Big red circle, click on it or tap on it, and you'll access my online calendar. Choose a day and time from what's available that works for you, and you'll get an emailed confirmation with the number to call, And then a day before our session, you get a reminder. All right. So that's available. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Quarantine Meditations. Join us for our next episode. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Palm Springs, California, this is Michael Benner. Namaste and aloha.